The Insurance and Injury Law Show, you know the number anytime, one 990 9646 and help at Savan, you're back. James, you're back. Guys, we got the duo, the team, ready to uh, do this radio show that we do every week. Lots of questions, lots of emails to get through. I know you want to start with, uh, you know, success story slash week that was, guys. I think you're each going to do one. If not, take it away and let's, uh, let's get started, guys. John, let me yeah, start. Uh, I have a very interesting case that came across my desk. So we got an email from a lady about her husband. Let me read to you the email. It's a very short email. She says, my husband, and she mentioned his name, uh, was just denied long-term disability. He was on short-term disability for six months without an issue. I told them they would be responsible if my husband is forced to go back to work, but they said that they're not telling him to go back, but he's still been denied his claim, long-term disability claim. We want to know if we have a case to pursue this. We have a 30-day window to appeal the denial would like to meet via a phone call. So first of all, we speak with people on the phone all the time. Don't think that if you're contacting us, we're going to force you to come to our offices. You don't. That's why we deal with people and help people across Ontario and BC. Now, John, about this case, we spoke to this individual. Here are the basic facts. He's 60 years old. He's making close to a hundred grand a year. And uh, he was recently diagnosed with flesh-eating disease. Mm. Okay, very, very serious condition. He has a family doctor, he has a neurologist, he has a whole slew of doctors essentially telling the insurance company there is no way that this individual is able to go back to work. So I actually don't understand even how the insurance company had decided to deny this gentleman's claim. Remember, flesh-eating disease, all right? Uh, But this is what I want to really emphasize to people out there. This lady, when she contacted us, you know, the last line was, we have a 30-day window to appeal the denial. Every person that is denied long-term disability or cut off long-term disability is invited to appeal right. that decision. And you are always given at least 30 days to appeal. That is That date means nothing, okay? Don't worry about that date. I'm not telling you not to do anything for 30 days. I mean, you should really be contacting us as soon as you get one of these letters. Uh, But don't think that if you don't take action within 30 days, suddenly your rights get extinguished under the law. They don't. But certainly don't appeal that decision. Uh, and, and, you know, we've spoken, like I said, t- to, to her and her husband, we're going to be able to help them. That's not even a question in my mind. We're going to be able to resolve this claim. I don't know what this adjuster was thinking, but I can tell you again, every week that passes with more and more people that we speak with over the phone and in person about their disability claims, I'm more and more amazed at some of these decisions or lack of thinking that I'm seeing from insurance companies when they deny these legitimate claims. James, that thing is just, a, it's just a stall tactic. It's a waste of time, that denial, right? You mean the appeal? Oh, the appeal, rather. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, so this is a story that I've thought about telling a few times. Um, when I used to go to camp, we used to play a game called tetherball. So it's you know got a six or seven foot pole. The There's rope. a string yeah. at the top. There's basically like a volleyball at the end. And the taller you are, the better you're going to be. So if you're a little kid playing against a big kid, you really got you're no chance. Get smoked, yeah. And I remember being a little kid, and the big kids, you know, you would play them, and they would say, "Oh, do you want some chances?" And, you know, all the little kids would be like, yeah, yeah, give me three chances. And so, you know, the big kids would let it, like, wind almost all the way around and get right to the end, and then they would just hit it back. The chances are useless, and it's the exact same thing as the appeal. This is, all they're doing is they're saying, oh, do you want a couple of chances? But they're not going to change their mind. They've made their decision. Mm. They know what they want to do with it, and they've already told you. So you can take as many appeals as you want. You're not going to change their mind on it. one 990 by the way, the number to call. So the lesson here, yep. okay, don't play their game. Right. As soon as you play their game, 
you're going to lose. I mean, you know, it's stacked against you, all right? The odds are in the house's favor because they control everything here. And by the way, just as a side note, James, John wasn't one of those big kids, was he? <laughs> he sure looks like it to me. <laughs> I have no sports acumen whatsoever. Tetherball took that thing right in the head every time. <laughs> Pow! Guaranteed, right? James, oh, what's going on with you, pal? Well, I had a, a young woman uh, call me a few years ago, and she was in nursing college, and she was walking on the street from her dorm, and she got hit by a car, and you know she wound up going into a ditch. Now, she was very fortunate that she didn't have serious physical injuries as a result, but she did wind up with significant mental health issues following that accident. Um, and you know she had some pre-existing issues, but they got much worse afterwards. Now, one of the big issues was just before she had this accident, she had had a pretty significant panic attack. And, you know, looking at it, one would wonder, you know, did the mental health issues that happened after this accident, were they really just something that was there anyway? Or was it caused by the accident? Right. But, you know, we did our homework. We got one of the best neuropsychiatrists in the country um, to write a report. And he concluded that it was really this accident um, that pushed her down the path that she's at right now. And so just this past week, we had a mediation. And I, you know, obviously can't go into details, but she got a very nice settlement. Um, and it's going to really help her a great deal. She's going to be able to get the treatment that she needs. And hopefully she's going to get her life back on track, um, you know, to where she was headed in the first place. Don't hesitate. Make that call, guys. We're going to take a short break. We've got lots of emails and questions to get through here. Uh, in the meantime, one 990 9646 and help at as well to reach out by email. We'll get to those in just a, a minute. Short break. Stick around. Insurance and Injury Law Show right here on Global News Radio. Insurance and Injury Law Show, one 990 9646 It is help at Before we move on to some emails, Savannah, you got another uh, story to talk about. Yeah, this was an email or a, a posting that came through uh, my disability questions.com website we have where you post your questions for free and we answer them for free within minutes this one came from cheryl in brockville and uh, she heard about this from her brother-in-law who apparently listens to uh to a radio show yep uh so so here's what uh, this person writes he writes i'm 56 years old i have several conditions whereby exertion and stress elevate my conditions and have been off work since january 2017 my present claim disability claim um is such that my disability payments will be terminated as of April 2019. I don't feel uh, that I have as much time to sort things out. Does LTD normally cover someone up in, uh, up until their retirement age? Should I grieve this assessment to terminate my claim? Do I need a lawyer? I get my payment once a month now, but soon will have no income. So, John, quite a few questions there. A lot to unpack. A yeah. lot to unpack. Uh, so, first of all, what jumps out at me is that this person, like many other individuals who get long-term disability and get one of those letters that tells them they'll be cut off, uh, knows that the cutoff date is coming. In other words, it's not in the past. He's now being given several months to prepare for this. And one of the mistakes that James and I see quite often people make is they wait for that date. They wait to see if, in fact, the insurance company will cut them off. Okay, they will cut you off. Do not wait for that cutoff date. Yeah, they're telling you. They're telling you, right? And, and by the way, they're telling you. And then again, back to the last segment, people think they can appeal this. They exhaust that time frame. Yeah. Uh, they appeal the decision. April comes along, and suddenly they see that they've been cut off, and their appeal has been denied, and now they have no income. Do not wait. When someone tell, when the insurance company tells you they're going to cut you off, the first thing you should be doing immediately is contacting us so we can tell you if we can do something now. And guess what? If you have the medical backup 
the doctors, the treatment providers who are saying that you are unable to go back to work mm-hmm. and that that's going to continue, that situation is going to continue for the foreseeable future, we can challenge the insurance company now. We don't wait, you know, we don't, we don't have to wait until that future date to come. And one of the things that we try really hard to do is to make sure that we're that that you know we resolve that claim before that April date. That may not happen, but we're trying to shorten the amount of time that you're going to be without income because we understand you know you have a mortgage to pay, you may have kids, you may have expenses that you won't be able to pay for. So that's the first point I'm going to make. Number two, does LTD normally cover someone until their retirement age? What Good this question. person is asking, yeah, is, is you know, he's 56 years old. That's what he wrote down. Retirement age, let's assume it's 65. The vast majority of LTD policies out there will cover you until age 65, assuming you qualify. In other words, assuming you meet that test of disability right. up until that age. Now, let me jump in here Go for ahead. a second. Um, one of the things I also want to point out is this gentleman is in a union. And a lot of people think that if they're in a union that they can't rely on a lawyer. Sometimes that's true, but mostly it's not. Usually we're able to help. But each policy is at least a little bit different. And it's been my experience anyway, um, that long-term disability policies that are issued to union members tend to be a little bit more different, especially when you're talking about retirement age. So sometimes the retirement age or the uh, time when the policy will pay out until will be a function of your pension. And so if your pension um, reaches a certain point, a lot of times the policy will stop then. Right. Let me ask you this, though, having to deal with that, you know, you mentioned that uh, the forecasting, you're going to be cut off in a few months, and you said people just, they read it and continue on as such. Do you think, looking at it, I know we know differently, of course, because I've been doing this show with you guys for long enough, I know that'd be foolish to sit around and wait on it, but do you think people have the mentality like, well, okay, they're going to cut me off in six months, well, I'm not going to rock the boat because that means I'm getting payments for six more months. If I make a phone call, they're going to ask my payments now. Maybe that's the mentality. That's why they don't make a phone call, which they shouldn't do. I think that's part of it, John. I I think part of it is that people out there still have this uh, perception that insurance companies are holding all the cards. Right. And that's just not true. Right. It's not true. And you know, we keep saying that it's not true. And some people believe us and some people don't believe us. The reality is this. It, you know, it doesn't cost you anything to give us a call to contact us for us to have that discussion. We're not going to force you to do anything you don't want to do. But at the very least, by the time you finish that phone call with us, you'll know what your legal options are. As long as you are playing their game, as long as you are taking everything they say at face value, you will lose. There's no question about that. That's just the way that this whole system is structured. And and to address exactly what you were saying directly here, John, um, I've never, ever seen a case where someone has been told by their insurance company that they would be cut off in, say, six months or whatever time frame, and then they brought a claim early. I've never seen them cut them off before they said they were going to as a result of having brought the claim. Right. I'm not telling you it's impossible, but I've never seen it. I don't know about you, Savon. I have never seen it. If, if anything, by the way, as soon as we start a legal claim, let's say before that cutoff date, remember, internally within the insurance company, once we start the legal process, that claim gets transferred from that adjuster who was handling the claim day to day to another adjuster whose job it is not to screw things up, to right. try and resolve the claim. I mean, this is, this is the thing people need to understand. As soon as you get a lawyer who knows what they're doing and can challenge the insurance company, the insurance company, they're on their heels now. Because as soon as you have a lawyer, they now have to deal with this as though this is going to not go away within four or five months. They have to deal with this in a different way. And the way they're dealing with it now is going to uh, you know, affect the outcome uh, later on. Now, John, before, before we stop, the last question this person actually uh, uh, wrote in this email is, do I need a lawyer? Yep. 
my advice is yes, you do need a lawyer. Unless you're in the industry, you do need a lawyer, but it depends on which lawyer. And I want to tell you, I just Googled this week uh, some other lawyers who say that they do long-term disability in Ontario, and I came across one, and I'm not going to mention the name or the mm-hmm. website, but one of the things that I saw as a blog posting was here's, you know, he- here are ways you can maximize your chances of winning an appeal on long-term disability. And I think James also saw another firm that was advertising that. They can advertise whatever they want, and maybe their tactics work to a degree. Maybe they've had some experience. I can tell you that... In our experience, and it's not just James and I, it's other members on our team and other lawyers that we know mm-hmm. that really know this field, appeals, just skip th- it. Th- skip it. Skip it. Th- they are not a good idea. The vast majority of them, I'm not going to say 100%, but the vast majority of them yeah. are not successful. They drag out the process and you are risking potentially uh, going beyond that two-year mark from the date of first denial. And if you haven't started a legal claim, within two years of having been first denied LTD, you have potentially extinguished your right to force the insurance company to pay you what you owe. Started with a phone call. There's a good place to start, right? one 990 and help at the We'll bounce over to one of your emails after a short break in the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio. Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number anytime, one 990 or help at the And a reminder coming up early uh, in January of 2019, Sunday mornings, 8.30, you have plans as the global TV show will be starting in your corner with James and uh, Savannah as well. We're looking forward to uh, getting that rolling in early January. Again, in your corner starts Sundays, 8.30 a.m. in January. So we're looking forward to that on, uh, on global TV. I want to get to an email, fellas. Chris's email as follows says, I was on long-term disability for over a year. But then recently, the insurance company sent me requests for more medical documents, and my doctor responded that nothing has changed and that I'm still unable to work. The insurance company says that this is not good enough and that the doctor they hired uh, to review my file, so they got their own doctor, uh, which I've never met, uh, says that I should be able to go back to work. They're cutting me off disability in February. Is there anything I can do to change their minds? The the first thing I want to say, Chris, um, you know, if they're cutting you off in February, and this goes back to what we were talking about in the earlier segments, you can do something now. Give us a call. Uh, and if everything that you say is supported by your file, we can start a claim now before you actually get cut off. And hopefully we're going to be able to get a resolution uh, much earlier than you would if you waited until February to challenge the claim. And with any luck, you may only be off benefits for a very short period of time. A few other things, though. Um, Number one, if you have your own doctors that are giving you treatment and are telling you that you can't go back to work, that's what matters. So you have to listen to what they're saying. Number two, their opinion is in almost all cases going to be preferred by any court who would hear a case um, over the opinion of a doctor hired by the insurance company that does a you know brief review of your medical file and writes a one or two page report. They're the ones that are seeing you on a regular basis in person, have your full medical file and are spending the time getting to know you and understand all of the issues that are wrong with you. So you know certainly uh, your own doctors are in a much better position. 
But the third thing is I'd be very curious to see which doctor they actually hired to do this assessment of you. It's been my experience that they tend to have a very limited roster of doctors, insurance companies, that is. And they're going to send you to one of two types. So I'll either send you to a family doctor or a psychiatrist, one or the two. And they're kind of catch-alls depending on whether you have physical issues or mental health issues. Your doctors, and you, you know, you mentioned that you're seeing several doctors. It, you know, that says to me that you're seeing some specialists. So they're, you know, by definition, going to be better situated, not just because they're treating doctors, but because they actually specialize in the areas that they're dealing with you on. It always amazes me that just based on the in-depth treatment that you've had with your own doctor, say after six months, two years, five years, that this doctor who hasn't even seen you, I mean, it's like you date someone for four years and you meet someone in a bar who knows you better. Obviously the person you're dating, why would it even be considered? But John, remember what is the purpose of them, uh, the insurance company doing that and hiring that doctor? Uh, The purpose is to give themselves a reason, a crutch that they can rely on to cut you off. Right, I, and and keep in mind something else as well. Again, going to perception. Speaking about perception, if they're telling you that they've hired a doctor and that doctor reviewed your medical file and that doctor concluded X, Y, and Z, and on the basis of that they're cutting you off, you would think many people out there, I think, would think, well, then that I have there's no there's no way that I can challenge that. Right. I mean, they're relying on a doctor, and this is especially true when you're dealing with cases where you're not being treated yourself by doctors. Let's say you're being treated by a psychologist, and they're hiring a doctor. You may think, oh my God, their doctor trumps my psychologist, even though my psychologist has been treating me right. for the last three four years. So again, don't assume anything when you're dealing with insurance companies. Don't assume that they have the power. Don't assume that their decisions are correct. Question absolutely everything, especially when you know you're disabled, your doctors know you're disabled, and the insurance company is ignoring all of that. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email address. I want to get to Donna here as we continue. It says, my father was getting long-term disability until last August because of a work-related injury. But then the insurance company told him that he can't get any more because he reached the two-year mark. But I looked at his LTD policy and the age limit is listed as 65. He's only 59. Should they have stopped paying him? Well, John, what's important to, to know here, and we don't know this, is, is the extent of the impairment that her father, the Donna's father, is experiencing. Because remember, to qualify for LTD for the first two years, the test is, can you do your own occupation? It's called the own occupation test. Can you do your job, substantial portions of your job? Beyond the two-year mark, to qualify for LTD, After two years, you have to demonstrate that you can't do any job, any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. So that's what we don't know. But what's interesting to me about Donna's question is that she actually took action and looked at the LTD policy. She Mm -hmm. saw that the age limit is 65, which is what we've seen in a lot of policies out there. He's only 59. So the question, Donna, for me is, are the doctors saying that your father is unable to do any job for which he's suited by right. training, education, or experience. And if his doctors are saying he cannot do any other occupation, well, then the insurance company should not be cutting him off. But this raises a very interesting point, and the point is this. Many insurance companies, in many, many situations, many cases, will cut people off around that two-year mark. And you'll get that letter, and that letter will say, we think you can do some other job. Mm-hmm. They, might, may, you know, they may not even list any other jobs. Sometimes they will list some jobs, and you'll think to yourself, you scratch your head and say, Not even close. Not even close. It's nothing to do with what I know. I have no skill set for this. Nothing of the sort. Again, contact us. Let us look at the denial letter, the cutoff letter, the medical documents. We'll tell you within minutes. 
if if in fact you have a claim. And a, a very quick point I want to make here, um, you know, e- even if you're able to do some job, that doesn't mean that if you're able to be, a, you know, a Walmart greeter or a barista at Starbucks, right. that you're not going to qualify beyond the two-year marks. It's by training, education, and experience, but... They use a rule of thumb, and it's typically around 60% of what your earnings were before you went on disability. So if you're earning a significant income, um, you're still going to have to be able to earn something in that vicinity in order to not qualify for benefits. In other words, if you can still make 60 or 70%, then yes, perhaps you won't qualify. But if you can only work a minimum wage job and you were earning six figures a year, that's not going to cut it. You're still going to be entitled to your benefits. Yeah, neurosurgeon to barista. No. That's a lot of half-calf double lattes. <laughs> right? Well, uh, we'll take a short break. The number is one 990 help at the Reminder, starting in January of 2019. Looking forward to this. In Your Corner will be the televised version, basically, of this show happening on uh, Global TV Sundays at 8.30. Lots more on the way. The Insurance and Injury Law Show on Global News Radio. one 990 9646 or help at the is an email option for that. You want to go to fightformyltd.com, by the way, for LTD case assessment that if you've never tried it, it takes about 30 seconds to go through it and then in January uh, of next year 2019 very early on we will get into In Your Corner and that's going to be uh, Savannah and James and myself on Global TV talking about this very subject Sundays at 8.30 in the morning so looking forward to uh to that guy, it's going to be a, a good show. Question, you know, you often talk about uh, settlements and long-term disability claims. What's the difference between a lump sum settlement and a reinstatement of benefits? Confusing terms, right? Well, that's a really good question, John, and I get that a lot. So let's look at a typical situation. Um, you know, typically when we get to a mediation, um, it, you know, our client has been off benefits for some period of time, let's say six, eight months, whatever it is. So they have this period that's, you know, past benefits that are owed, benefits that they should have received during that time that they haven't gotten. In addition to that, in a lump sum settlement, we're going to be looking to get them benefits into the future. And how far into the future is really going to depend on several factors. Mm -hmm. Um, How long the policy pays out to, most policies pay out until you're 65, how old our client is, and of course, what the medical file has to say. In other words, what we can support with a medical file and how long that they're going to be off for. So we're looking to recover everything they're owed up until that point in time and as much into the future as we can possibly get. And you get that paid all in one shot at the mediation, one lump sum. After that's done, your relationship with the insurance company is typically done. You don't have the right to make any future claim on the policy because you've gotten your benefits into the future. So that's a lump sum settlement. The other alternative is a reinstatement of benefits. And so in that scenario, what we're looking to do is get you paid everything up to the date of settlement, and then you would be put back into the policy and continue getting your benefits on a month-to-month basis as if you had never been cut off. But here's the thing. As it turns out, neither side typically wants to do a reinstatement. There are some cases where, you you know, either the insurance company or the client might want to, but it's pretty unusual. From the client's perspective, they've already been denied or cut off by their insurance company and they know what it means to have to deal with them on a day-to-day basis and that's not really something that they're looking forward to. 
Also, if you're getting a lump sum settlement, you're obviously getting paid much more upfront. It's in your pocket. Yep. Um, and you know you don't have to worry about going to these assessments down the road. Um, and so you know your life becomes much more simple at that point in time. And you don't have to worry about what happens when you decide you want to go back to work. You got to deal you go with back, these guys again. Yeah you, yeah, you go back to work when you want to go back to work, no problem. And so it's much easier from the client's perspective. But from the insurance company's perspective, they typically want to do a lump sum settlement too. From their perspective, it gives them cost certainty. Um, also, the less uh, claims that they have open, the fewer adjusters they have to they have to pay their salaries to. Right. So it saves them money there, and they don't have to continue paying for assessments or treatment. So it saves them money as well too. So typically speaking, everyone's interest is aligned to look at a lump sum settlement. If you could answer that in more detail, that'd be great, James. Fantastic. <laughs> Seriously, though, it's well, people, people don't know that it's amazing to enlighten them. Right? It's a question that I get. Almost every single time right. I meet with a new client. Yeah. So I've worked out pretty well yeah. how to explain you it. You got it down. You know, John, the, the one thing that stands out to me when James was talking is I agree with everything he said. But the interesting thing is that when a client comes to us, a person comes to us who's been denied long-term disability or cut off, they're coming to us with zero, mm. meaning the insurance company has said, you are owed nothing. Good point. And how many times, James, have we you know, finished the claim, finished the process, and you know the client is signing on the dotted line the settlement documents, and now they are staring at at five six figure uh, settlements that they are now going to be depositing into their accounts. And again, this is re- remember this is the amazing thing here. They've come to us six months ago, a year ago, two months ago, whenever it was, with nothing. Yeah. And thank God they decided to take action because mm-hmm. we as lawyers can only do whatever they instruct us. You know, and I'm sure James has had this too. I've had individuals that I've told, you have a valid claim. This is approximately what I think you're looking at in terms of a settlement potentially if we start something. You know, I can't tell you 100% because we have to see how the case develops, but we have a pretty good sense. And yet people decide not to do anything about that. And you have people out there who decide not to, and that's their prerogative. And you know what's going to happen with all that money that's owed to them, whether it's 10000 or 100000 or a million dollars? Stays behind the doors of the insurance company. Stays in the pockets yeah. of the insurance company. So when we go and we settle the case, whether it's for a lump sum or for a retroactive amount and reinstatement, all we're doing is enforcing the rights of this disabled individual. That's mm. all we... The insurance company is not giving charity. They've been It's forced. not a lottery ticket. It's yeah. not a lottery yeah, ticket. Wrote, That's yeah. the important thing. Yeah. This is a legal thing. We're right. forcing them to do what they have to do. Right. One of the things that I hear from time to time are you know people that are hesitant to bring, bring a legal claim because they like to think of themselves as, I'm not the kind of person that would bring a legal claim, that would right. bring a lawsuit. It's a pride thing, they, right? Yeah, they take pride right. in that. And, you know, to me, you know, I, I get that. I understand that frame of mind. But really the flip side of that is you're saying, I'm the kind of person that would prefer to let an insurance company keep money that they should have paid me. Yep. And why? Who are you helping with that? The insurance company doesn't need it. They're making billions, billions of dollars. So why are you giving them what should be yours? It doesn't make sense. But it's not even that. They were paid premiums. Right. They right. were paid premiums for these policies. And remember, again, it's a numbers game for them. If they have 100 claims and they deny 100 claims out of 100, Beautiful. and 90 people, 90 claims just go away, mm-hmm. just evaporate, how much money is the insurance company keeping? Yeah. I mean, that's what's mind-boggling. And again, I'm telling you this, as someone who worked for insurance companies right. in the past, I would love those kinds of individuals who would say, I'm just not that kind of person. I don't want to offend Fantastic, anybody. excellent. My yeah. client gets to benefit from that. Yeah. 
We'll take a short break, guys. Uh, the number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots more insurance and injury law show on the way. Stick around, Global News Radio. Insurance and injury law show contact simple one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca through email. We'll get to one here in just a moment. Want to mention as well as we have throughout the show that starting in January in your corner, a televised version of this show is going to be a pretty cool Global TV Sundays at eight thirty in the morning. So make sure. Uh, you check that out early uh, in 2019. Ben, your email up next for the guy says, my son has been denied long-term disability claim, apparently because the insurance company doesn't think that he is totally disabled. He's 32 and he's been diagnosed with severe depression by a psychologist. He's on quite a few medications and hardly leaves the house. He lives with me because he can't take care of himself. I'm afraid that he'll harm himself and I don't want him dealing with the insurance company anymore, but I also want them to pay him what he should rightfully get. What can we do? Well, I got some good news for you, Ben, and for your son. Give us a call. Um, and you know, I, from what you're saying, it seems quite clear to me that there is a very strong case to challenge um, your son's insurance company. The really good news here, though, is as soon as we're retained, he's not going to have to deal with them anymore. That's it. We're the ones who will deal with the insurance company, with their adjusters. He can just focus from that point on, on trying to get better. And that's what I say to all of my clients. I say, you know, as soon as we are retained, your focus is on your own health. That's it. You don't have to worry about the insurance company. That's my job. Now, the other thing is just listening to, you know, what you're saying about your son's condition. Uh, that's obviously very difficult to deal with. And mental health claims are, uh, you know, we see them more and more. Um, the disability insurance companies, you know, simply have not caught up to the rest of the world in how they view mental health issues. Um, the, you know, the rest of the world is really becoming aware that these are, you know, this is a serious uh, problem for people that are suffering from mental health issues. And that, you know, if you are one of those people, it's very difficult to do many things. And the way you've described your son, you know, not being able to leave the house, yeah. how can anyone expect that he's going to be able to work if that's his condition? I mean, it's just not reasonable. And if his doctors are supporting that he can't return to work in the severity of his condition, as you've described, then that's obviously a very, very strong case. And we're certainly going to be able to help him. John, one of the things that I want to mention here is that Ben is, is writing on behalf of his son and in many, many cases, we get contacted by concerned family members and concerned friends and colleagues. If you are out there and you know someone who is struggling with this insur- with their insurance company, uh, you know, put us in touch with them. Let us help them because many individuals like Ben's son here would not, for whatever reason, contact us. Maybe they're not listening to the show. Maybe they're listening, but they're you know too embroiled with their own medical conditions mm-hmm. uh, to to call us. You know, take action. Because if you don't, no one else will. And, and you know, at the end of the day, we will be able, I think, to help Ben's son. In fact, I'm pretty confident that we will be able. But it's only because his father, um, you know, contacted us. Right. That's really, really key. And I want to emphasize that to people out there. Don't just think about yourselves. People you know that are struggling with their insurers, connect us with them. Let us talk to them. Let us give them the advice they need. Yeah, you know, in an ideal world, we would be able to give the advice directly to, you know, the person who's been cut off or denied. But that does not mean that if, you know, you have a loved one or a friend that is suffering and needs our help, that you can't call and get information for them. Now, again, you know, it's ideal if we can speak with them directly, but by all means, if you're concerned or you just want some information, 
give us a call. It is free. We're not going to send you an invoice for the call. We're happy to answer all of your questions. And if after that you want to get the person that you're calling on behalf of in touch with us, then we'll set something up. And if you don't, that's fine too. You can just take the information and provide that to your friend or to your loved one. You know, it's, it's funny. Kind of, it kind of brings about a question. You mentioned, you know, Ben's son not be able to work. So what can you do if you become disabled and then got fired from a job you were working? Can you still start LTD claim even though you're no longer employed? John, that's an excellent question. And uh, if if you've been uh, if you've become disabled uh, before you were fired, so in other words, while you had a long term disability uh, plan insurance coverage, yep. then even if you've been fired from your job, as long as the disability arose while you had that coverage, you still will be able to make a claim for long term disability. Now, there's been a case recently with, where, where, where the insurance company challenged that and they actually lost in court, meaning the courts have actually said that if your disability arose while you were still employed and covered by a long-term disability plan, you do have a right to make that disability uh, claim. One thing you should keep in mind, though, is that if you were fired from, from a job, you are probably entitled to severance. Right. And again, that touches now on the employment side of the practice at the firm. Remember, we have employment lawyers and they deal with these issues all the time. And that's very critical too. Why? Because if you get severance, that can be offset potentially from a disability payment that you may be entitled to. So it's very, very important for you know for you to contact us so that mm-hmm. we can actually chat with you both about the employment side of obviously being fired, but also about the disability claim that you may have here so we can guide you and make sure that you maximize whatever payment you should be getting. Going to bounce over to an email after we take a short break here. one 990 The number help at theinsurancelawyer.ca as well. Insurance and Injury Law Show continues. This is Global News Radio. one 990 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That is the email address I will refer to in a moment here. I just wanted to mention as well, as we continue on, guys, that early January, Global TV will be taking on In Your Corner. That is the show we're starting in January with uh, myself, Savannah, you. I know, James, you're going to be part of it as well. Sundays at 8.30 a.m. And we're going to be talking about disability and injury law on that TV show again in your corner January in uh, 2019. Laura, uh, your email's next. Says, uh, my friend told me to contact you because she listens to you all the time on the radio. I got a letter last week um, that my long-term disability benefits will stop in March because the insurance company's rehabilitation consultant said that I should really get back to work by then, should go now. But I've uh, I've had vision issues that have gotten worse, and I work with computers and art designers at a marketing agency. There's no way that I will be able to go to work in March, and my doctors express that to the insurance company, but they won't listen. By the way, I had to ask my sister to write this email because I can't stare at a screen. Help. Laura, thanks a lot for the email, and thank you to your sister for writing it as well. This is a scenario that I've seen several times. I've had clients in very similar circumstances. I am assuming that they are cutting you off at or pretty close to the two-year mark, which as we've talked about before is the change of definition, which means that it's when you would be able to return to any occupation that you're qualified for by training, education, or experience. If it's well before that, this is just an absurd denial or cutoff. Um, obviously, given your the job that you have and your vision issues, you're not able to go back to the job that you had before. That doesn't seem to be an issue. But even beyond the two-year mark, um, if you're not able to look at a screen, um, even if you can for just a very limited amount of time, there are very few jobs that you're going to be able to do, and especially very few jobs that are going to be able to pay you enough that you would not qualify to receive benefits. 
And I think what they're doing here, now I'm not sure how old you are, Laura, and that's fine, but I think you know what the insurance company is doing is they're taking a look at your claim and they're seeing that you have a vision issue. And if there you know, isn't a prognosis that suggests you're going to get better anytime soon, they're seeing you know the next 10, 20, 30 years, whatever it is, until you're 65. And they're thinking, oh boy, we might have to pay this lady out yeah. for another 10, 20, 30 years. We got to cut her off now and just hope that she doesn't challenge us. So that's all they're doing. They're taking a shot to see if you're actually going to bring a legal challenge. So let's do that. We start a legal claim and then we put them on, you know, on our terms. We, you take the power away from them. And now all of a sudden they have to get realistic. They have to say, okay, well, if you have vision problems, then maybe it is limited and we do have exposure. And all of a sudden their tune changes. You know, what's interesting to me, John, is that the insurance company hired the rehabilitation consultant who said that she should be able to, to go back to work yeah. in March. What are the qualifications of this consultant? This lady, Laura, has doctors who are saying that she is not going to be ready, that her vision problems yeah, are not going to get... Medical doctors. Uh, you know, it's it seems just patently absurd that an insurance company is going to be relying on someone who doesn't have the expertise in the field with respect to the disability the person, you know, is experiencing to then use that as a crutch to say to you, I'm going to cut you off. I actually, but we see this over and over and over. I, I actually know what a rehabilitation consultant is. Tell me. It is a euphemism that insurance companies <laughs> use. And what it means is not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm laughing, but, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality. And, and incidentally, not just a rehab consultant, but any consultant. Anytime I see the word consultant, yeah, it could mean a doctor, but in many, many instances, it's not. It's not. If it's a doctor, they're going to say it's a doctor. And by the way, John, I mean, in many cases, you also have the insurance companies using doctors, MDs, but who are commenting on something that is not within their specialty, right? So again... The lesson here is don't assume that what the insurance company is saying is correct. Don't assume you can't challenge their decision. Laura, you're going to be able to, we're going to be able to resolve this for you. It's a good thing that your friend told us to contact us. We need to see the medical documents. We need to see the denial letter, the policy, and then we can spring into action. You know, you guys mentioned, you know, people that work in workplaces. Sometimes the workplace is not so peachy and people get involved in what they call a toxic work environment and they end up uh, going off on LTD because of that. And then they get rejected. Are the insurance companies right to reject them or are there situations where this is absolutely legit and it should go forward? Well, it does depend on the circumstances. And you know, we have to be fair here. The insurance policy isn't there to protect you against a toxic work environment. Right. And so the test is really this. And this is what I ask clients who you know approach me that have this kind of a situation and as a result have you know depression or anxiety, which is what you typically see with someone who's mm-hmm. been dealing with that sort of environment. I ask them, I say... If you could get the exact same job you have now with a different employer in a friendly environment, would you be able to do it? And what it comes down to is if their answer is yes, then the policy wouldn't pay out on that because they don't have a condition that is generalized to all situations. They just have a condition that is specific to their own work environment. But... You know, sometimes there are situations where the person has a toxic work environment and they get depression and anxiety because of that, but then it becomes generalized. It becomes a type of thing that takes over and is there in all situations, at their job, the at home, right. when they're out with their friends. And in that situation, if it's become generalized, then yeah, you do have a valid claim, whether it started mm-hmm. in the workplace or not. But John, don't assume that if you're experiencing a toxic work environment, and James or I tell you that we can't do anything with your LTD claim because it's just an issue with your workplace, 
don't assume you don't have a case. Uh-huh. At that point, you have an employment case. Possibly because a constructive dismissal. Exactly, yeah. absolutely. I mean, yeah. you're not supposed to be working in an environment that is making your life hell. Yeah. So again, you know, if you're experiencing this kind of an issue, you may have an LTD claim, you may have an employment claim that we can help you with, or you may have both, both. depending on the circumstances. Right. So again, don't assume that you have no case. Contact us so we can get more specifics. Every case is different. And, and that's what we do. We analyze your case in your situation uh, with, with the circumstances that you're dealing with, and then we can give you the legal advice you need, and you can decide how to proceed. Good for another week, guys. I'm going to leave you with some contact information. It's one 990 That will put you in touch with either Savannah or James or a member of the team. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email address we've been pulling from today, and we'll continue to do so. Again, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And a reminder, starting January early 2019, we take the show to Global TV in your corner. We'll be on your television set Sundays at 8.30 in the morning on Global, so we're looking forward to that as well. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, right here on Global News Radio.